0: Welcome to the 56th episode of the RF Generation Collector cast. Uh The numbers climb, uh, so does my amazement. <laughs> you know, I was looking, I think we've been like, it's eight years, I think?
1: Yeah, it's uh, eight or nine, yeah, I can't remember now. We'd have to look that up, but... Dude, I
0: think 2012, I think, was when all this stuff started, so... Sounds about right. So we've been inflicting pain on your eardrums for eight years, <laughs> on and off, so... <laughs> But hey, at this point in time, you're you're the one that chose to listen, so I can't feel too bad for you. But uh, today we wanted to have a show. Bill's not here, as everybody can hear. Kelsey's here with me, but um, Bill couldn't make it. He's on vacation, and he had a sweet deal where he could extend his vacation. Uh, sounded like gratis.
1: So Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if somebody offers you a, a house to stay in on the beach longer, the answer is yes,
1: right? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Just like if
0: some if somebody asks you if you're a god, right? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Uh, but uh, other than that, you know, uh, it's been you know it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get started as we usually have been doing lately with what we've been up to. So, Kelsey, what's been going on in your neck of the woods?
1: We took a little trip to my in-laws. Uh, they live in Edmonton, so we stayed there for the long weekend up here.
0: And that's a long, that's still a long trip for you, right?
1: It's about eight to nine hour drive to, to wow. get there and then, and then same back. Yeah, and, and we right had there. some car troubles, so we're, we're dealing with that now that we're home. Not, not a fun thing. Oh, that
0: really sucks. Yeah. Was it like, I t- hopefully nothing major though, right?
1: We don't know yet. It's, oh uh, yeah, we we have someone looking at it uh, in a few days here. Oh, but like still runs though, right? Yeah, but don't sound good, and it's got (laughs) trouble getting power up hills, and yeah. It's not not in peak performance. It's not an old vehicle. We we bought it brand new. It's six years old now.
0: That's not old at all, yeah. Just long enough to get out of warranty? Is that the problem? Exactly. Oh, no.
1: So we got our fingers crossed that it's going to not be crazy expensive.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine where you're at, um, and obviously I've never been to your place but i mean it's not flat ground right
1: no like in bc like we're mountains everywhere there's like once you get into alberta through manitoba it's super super flat but over here yeah it's it's hills and mountains everywhere oh yeah that sounds like mm. even going to my parents it's like uphill the entire way and they live in the same city as me
0: do you guys have those like roads that where you like you can look off one side and it's just death if yeah. you went off oh, that yeah. side
1: those yeah those are pretty common <laughs> Like like I was saying, going up to my parents' house in the same city, we have one of those drop-offs. So,
0: do you hear about like news reports about idiot drives off cliff and dies? Or
1: no, almost never. The people are pretty safe for those. The idiots. Um, it's when you're out in the boonies and there's like a twisting road. They they always oh. try to do that too fast. So you just see them sticking out of the uh, <laughs> off the sti- ditch like constantly, like every 20 minutes. Like you'll see another truck sticking <laughs> out of the ditch
0: everything's flat here and people still can't figure it out so i can imagine you know it's probably not pleasant there yeah
1: it's every Uh, every year we get snow it's like the first month we get snow it's like nobody's ever driven in snow for that month until they get used to it again
0: it's the same thing here human beings memories are unfortunately extremely short so (laughs) it's like a gnat but uh well besides uh, you know hopefully not big car troubles what else you been up to
1: well, when we were on that trip, my brother in law just happened to have his Super Nintendo Mini set up in our room, so I good pick. Just I constantly wake up two hours, three hours before the rest of my family. <laughs> so this time, instead of just reading, I had a Super Nintendo to play every morning. So I went through uh, Mega Man X, Donkey Kong Country, Super Punch Out, and Kirby's Dream Course while we were there.
0: Uh how is uh Super Punch Out on like uh, uh something like that is there a lot of lag or
1: That's why I picked that one. It was great. I really? yeah. Okay. No issues at all with with any of these games uh with any sort of lag or input to, uh, just like fantastic. Very impressed. I've,
0: ne- I've never liberated mine from the box, so I don't uh I haven't used it.
1: I haven't yet either. I I plan to eventually cuz I want to play that Star Fox 2 but, uh after this test run i'm I'm pretty happy with that purchase so when i whenever I get to that uh looking forward to it even more now,
0: very good. well, that might be playing sort of how some of our conversation a little later in the show in terms of hardware but uh yeah, okay, well, good, so some super Nintendo that sounds great,
1: yeah, and then I've also beaten uh palamedes on n e s uh, Wayne's world on n e s and oh. yeah it's <laughs> like it's not good which is fine i play lots of games that aren't good but there's the platforming in the last two stages is super super hard and really precise which is the wrong kind of not good
0: yeah and wario's woods was like one of those puzzle games i never got good at so i mean obviously you did
1: yeah i, I beat that today actually just uh, like an hour or two before we got on the call here uh but i've been working at that one for a long long time uh really hard but i i really came to enjoy it okay yeah. okay very good it's kind of one of those that
0: just get, kind of gets forgotten about right like nintendo's really never gone back to do anything with that have they
1: totally and it's uh you know toad's the star of the game he's i love toad I mean, but it's wario's woods i mean yeah well, I you're trying, you mean he's that. the bad guy you're trying to kill him
0: yeah i'm just yeah. you know seems like an odd mashup they're like you know We've made a couple of Yoshi cookie puzzle games or whatever. What else yeah. can we do? So
1: and in the boss rush mode, like I'm assuming Wario like leads all the bosses, but they're like freaking dragons and like the Grim Reaper and like a golem. Like he's got some cool henchmen.
0: Toad does not mess around though. No, he's Toad just, blows you know. them all up, bombs <laughs>
1: them to death.
0: It's you know, and through death, I guess is.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: very good very good so that's uh how what's the number on nes games left
1: uh that was number 595 out of 669
0: so number 600 is coming up
1: soon five more yeah this warrior got me stuck much longer than i thought uh so hopefully five games i can i'll probably make like number 600 a real long one on purpose um okay. do, do another big role-playing game like i got uh might and Magic and Dragon Warrior 4 are still left. Those two will oh, take some time.
0: Might and Magic, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very good. So I'm curious, though, have you... I, mean, I don't remember if we talked about it. Have you picked out the last game, what the last game will be?
1: Yeah, I, I pretty early on. Like, I've been doing this for about 10 years now, and I've had that yeah. game put away for almost that whole time.
0: Okay, and have you ever beaten that game? You don't have to tell me, but have you ever beaten that game before? No,
1: never even played it. We'll be okay. going, in, right. going in blind.
0: All right. Very good. So I look forward to your final game review of Silent Service.
1: <laughs> Spoilers.
0: Uh, all right. Um, so what have you been doing outside the game realm?
1: Uh, I've been catching up on some readings. So my wife took me camping, which I hate. So I brought a book with me to kill some time.
0: That's understandable.
1: Uh, and then same thing when we're at my brother-in-law's. Uh, lots of downtime, so lots of reading. Uh, so I read uh, "Video Games in the Beginning" by Ralph Baer.
0: Oh yeah, I've got a copy of that I haven't read it yet.
1: It was awesome. I was surprised how interesting I found it, and just how interesting he is as as a writer and and the inventing that he was doing in like the sixties and seventies. Pretty interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's kind of yeah. I mean, kind of a, a really interesting guy. Kind of varied past so that did a lot of things right
1: and i i had no idea like i knew the odyssey and i knew the simon before i read the book and that was it yeah, uh, yeah. kind
0: of very prolific right
1: yeah and like some of the tech he had that he just couldn't figure out how to sell it um like if he was more of a salesman we would have had some like really cool game stuff early on uh like when he was trying to sell the the first odyssey um he thought he should sell it to a cable company rather than magnavox or, or manufacturer because he figured it would tie into their programming so what he had set up was the pong demo but the cable company would display a real life tennis court like live on tv would be the background <laughs> for it broadcasting and this was in like 68 or 69 and he had it running like demoing it at these cable companies which just sounds awesome yeah,
0: yeah. all right it's your turn at wimbledon for yeah. the next half hour here's the court
1: exactly yeah. which was a cool idea too but uh yeah
0: how do you sell commercials in it? That's probably the problem. But
1: he, Yeah, he had a plan for that. But, uh, uh, I also, cool. also read uh, a book you picked up for me called Phoenix, uh, Fallen Rise of Video Games. Leonard Herman, I think, is the author on that one.
0: Yes. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So that one, also very interesting, but very dry.
0: It's a very clinical look at things. Yes, yes
1: and a lot of focus on unreleased things too like this is what they were showing off at ces this year and then you read like two years later like they canceled all that because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. everybody had a keyboard coming out and everybody had a modem coming out and none of them came out with keyboards or modems and
0: yeah except for like coleco because they got basically like legally sued into it or whatever right because they had promised it
1: yeah oh uh, yeah and speaking of suing like every chapter right at the end it's like here's 10 companies that were suing another 10 companies <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it it does almost read like uh, legal briefs and s- stuff in some cases. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's a historian digging up history and throwing it on a page. It's not, yeah. you know, there there is no embellishment or story. There. Yeah, it's just these are the facts, man.
1: Wait, so I like same thing, like really, really dry. But I found the earlier stuff that I was more unfamiliar with. Pretty interesting, like from the like most of the eighties and the early nineties, and then after that, it, it became more things that I was aware of. uh So not as many surprises, but the first part of that book I found really interesting.
0: You might want to look up if you can find a copy. There's a book called Zap: The Rise and Fall of Atari mm-hmm. that came out in the very uh like early eighties. It was probably one of the first books of its kind over, you know, like a game company. And um, or maybe it was the Fall and Rise. Anyway, um, but it's been long out of print. I've got a copy of that uh, and it's well written. It's good. So if you want to search for through some out of print book services or something for a copy, um, I'd recommend it. It's not a hugely long read, but it's, it's good.
1: Yeah, I've been because I also read uh, Opening the Xbox uh, by Dean Takahashi, I think it is. Um, So yeah, I've I've enjoyed all three of these books, so I'm I'm definitely looking for more. I've got one more on my backlog uh, called The Revolutionaries at Sony about launching the PS1. So once I've done that, I'll I'll start looking for some other ones. Uh, But the Xbox book was a little more interesting after Phoenix uh, because it focused on the people uh, building the Xbox uh, about like mostly two years prior to it launching, and then the like six months after it launched it kind of falls in that window and you get a little bit of microsoft history and stuff from guys that have been there uh, since the 80s um, but it was a lot more interesting just seeing people's lives than than just the cold hard facts through it
0: so probably like seamus blackley and he, some
1: he's of those a, guys he's a huge focus on there and ed freeze um, yeah. robbie bach yeah a whole bunch of those guys um and, and they mentioned some videos that I want to look up like old CS and E3 videos that where they were like pushing the Xbox they sound really neat uh like uh the rock came out on stage with uh, bill gates to like sell the Xbox uh, and they had like a little banter going back and forth and, and that sounds like a really interesting video to watch <laughs> so i gotta look that one up
0: it's probably like some terrible quality ancient like uh, you know game GameSpot video or something. It's It's
1: probably probably exactly what it is.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I would imagine so.
1: But I've never Uh, been a big Xbox guy, so it was neat to kind of get some insight into it. And it really solidified some of the feelings that I have towards it, I think. Um, And and the types of people that played it, especially early on, you can like see the... What are you trying to say? (laughs) They're not what i grew up with like it brought a new demographic like it made video gaming cool and the cool kids that used to tease me for playing video games started playing xbox and it was just really weird to me early on i see okay and and you can see the people making it are like the people that used to tease me even though they were all nerds and they grew up playing games and making games and stuff yeah and
0: everybody plays games so
1: yeah. Like you mentioned Seamus Blackley, like you read early on about him and they, and they kind of make him a sympathetic character um, prior to working at Microsoft. And then once he's there, though, like he's just not a human being that I would like to spend time with, but very, very interesting to learn about.
0: Well, yeah. As soon as you start reading about history of some of these folks, you're like, OK, they may be very driven and they may be very good at what they do, that doesn't mean they're the kind of people I'd like to pal around
1: with. Exactly. And I'm not like he doesn't come off as a bad person or anything, just not a personality that jives with mine.
0: Yeah, like I, um, I sat in on a panel for, uh, that Ed Freeze was on in uh, 2010, and uh, seemed like a really nice guy. Yeah,
1: I was going to say the one guy out of that book that I got a lot of respect for was Ed Freeze. I, I really liked what he was doing the whole way through. Like, he just seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, he
0: he he wasn't. even that it was that year he had put out uh, Halo twenty six hundred, and so I mean, you know, he was a programmer from. He knew what was going on. So
1: yeah.
0: it was pretty interesting. Well, Definitely. Very
1: good. And it's funny too, because the end of the book ends six months into the Xbox, so it's like asking questions like, "Will it catch up to the PS two? Like, will it?" And you are like, "Oh my god, not even a contest there."
0: But the three hundred and
1: sixty. Yeah. Brought it back up, yeah
0: the, and the xbox one <laughs> yeah,
1: they, they've they've never like won a generation like if you go in sales wise no. but yeah. even the three sixty gen as good as they did, they got third place in the end,
0: yeah, but, but it was basically number one in the u s though right so. yeah that if
1: yeah without that market, I don't think they would do well any gen
0: but, oh yeah, definitely they're definitely a it's a niche thing. But, I mean, you could say the same thing of the PSP. I mean, you know, kind of everywhere but Japan where it was kind of crazy. But yeah. that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> and what else is up your alley?
1: I'm uh, reading some Batman books. Getting psyched up for these. Uh, there's this uh, fandom event in a couple weeks uh, for DC where the rumor is that Rocksteady was going to announce their new game and WB Montreal was going to announce their new game. Okay. And just today, or yesterday, sorry, um, Rocksteady tweeted about the Suicide Squad hunts the Justice League.
0: So is that going to tie into the new Suicide Squad movie that's coming?
1: I would be really surprised. I, I think it's its okay. own standalone thing. And okay. and honestly, like, the concept sounds amazing, and I was super, super excited. And then just today, I found out it's supposed to be a games-as-a-service style game, and uh... all of my hype was. <laughs> Went from 100% to like 5%. Yeah,
0: I, yeah that's not my deal either, yeah. but you know.
1: So I'm hoping the WB Montreal game, which is rumored to be uh, another one in the like Batman Arkham kind of series. Um, I'm hoping that one still scratches the itch that I want.
0: Yeah, I don't know why so many companies can't figure out that single player experiences are still fine, but
1: you know. Well, to to be fair like if if it is the case that WB comes out with that one they're doing both like they're doing the games as a service for people who want that and they're doing the single player game for people who want that I just thought like a suicide squad game built around like hunting down and killing justice league members sounds <laughs> unreal. It sounds like so much fun to have. Like well, they can't
0: really kill them. All right.
1: Uh, <laughs> sure. They'll figure a way to revive them after or make it a simulation <laughs> or a dream or whatever at the end. But during it, really? like, could you imagine like hunting down Batman and green lantern and Superman? It'd be so awesome.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. That's for sure. Uh, it would be, I'd be, i don't know if i've at least my exposure to the suicide squad if i've those are my favorite villains from the dc universe but um i guess i'm more of like traditional like legion of doom kind of you know well they can
1: uh cycle a roster it doesn't have to be any set team and i'm sure that's what they're going to do if it's games as a service they have new characters announced every few months kind of thing coming into it
0: yeah it'd be fun to be like black manta or something right
1: totally it's laser eyes yeah (laughs) Yeah, black
0: Black man is pretty tough that's why i was kind of sad i mean i enjoyed aquaman but i really wish it would have been focused more around black manta um but you know it's okay it was a good movie anyway
1: sure he'll show up again in the sequel
0: uh probably yeah that's probably what i would guess is aquaman 2 or haven't you know, they already announced that right so
1: i don't know the only one that i know is that there's that snyder cut and there's the new wonder woman um i yeah, haven't wonder really, woman really yeah. heard plans of anything past that
0: oh i think there's they keep rumbling about new batman right
1: uh yeah but it's not connected the it's the robert patterson one i don't think it's connected yeah. to any of the other movies it's its own standalone thing again
0: oh okay they're not gonna you don't think they're gonna try it tie it back in or
1: no it didn't sound like it at all i've been following that one it's it sounds pretty interesting i'm I'm pretty curious for that one
0: okay yeah and then there's obviously i've heard like the suicide squad thing they're gonna try that again
1: yeah that that's right that one is confirmed and i i really hope they do another shazam movie too yeah i like that a lot
0: i thought i heard that that was pretty much green lit i mean it's way too early for anything to happen with it but i thought i heard that that was a green lit
1: already i hope so
0: I would imagine they'll have to have Justice League versus Legion of Doom. That's what they've been leading up to in these movies, right?
1: Yeah, but I don't know how many of the actors are coming back for roles. So it could be a whole new cast.
0: I mean, that's obvious like at the end, in in all these movies, you keep seeing, you know, like Luthor pulling all these people in, uh, you know. And so, I mean, they have to be building towards that, wouldn't you think? I mean, if not, it would be a real letdown.
1: I think that was the plan, and then I—I I don't know. I think maybe some of the pushback on some of the later movies, like Justice League in particular, maybe they're rethinking that plan.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, they've yeah they've rebooted some of these things, and you know, I don't know. I was like, gosh, can we do it? I don't want to see another reboot already of some of these
1: things. That's true.
0: It's like, how many times? Well, and I think they've already said, too, like another Joker movie,
1: right? I haven't seen anything confirmed, but that wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, I thought I saw something about that, that there's going to be a sequel to Joker, because obviously that was that did fantastically for them, so...
1: I still haven't that, seen them. That's, the, like, the only superhero movie I think I've missed in the last two decades.
0: probably, like, the best one.
1: I've heard is really good. I'm looking forward to it. It's just, uh... It's
0: don't... not a it's not a superhero movie that's no why it's
1: it, it's one i would like to own and i've not seen it for sale at a price i'm willing to pay yet like it was on sale for like 30 bucks right when it came out so i'm waiting to find it for like 10 15 kind of thing
0: i think you'll like it. it's de- it's definitely some it's its own thing um and i think if they followed that path more they'll find success
1: cool i um, yeah i hope so but
0: yeah whenever you watch it then we'll chat about it how's about that
1: that sounds awesome
0: all right very good well anything else new in your neck of the woods or
1: uh no it's nice to be back home and and uh helping out at my old store trying to get it ready to reopen in the next one to two weeks so i've been doing some like drywalling and painting and we did a whole like move the old store to the new store like in one day rented a big moving van and hauled everything over and that was a, a super long day but it's fun fun to see it come together
0: do you get paid in-store credit or
1: <laughs> no this is the first time I'm, i've been on the payroll ever so i, I get a paycheck
0: <laughs> is there, are you like wow this store finally decided to pay me after yeah. all these years
1: <laughs> it's surprising
0: <laughs> even after owning it hey yeah. i actually made money <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, i really like what they're doing with the place though they like found a big open area and so they got to design and build everything from scratch awesome so they've got like event rooms they're setting up and workshop in the back and like i never had a staff room they got a staff room built in there and like it's gonna look great do they still
0: embrace some of the arcade stuff
1: yeah the spot well. for that yeah and they're making everything kind of modular so that when they do events they can slide things out of the way really really easy so if it's a magic card event they have extra tables coming out if it's a video game event those tables go away and they can haul up more tvs really easy it's a pretty smart setup cool Cool.
0: Um, I was going to ask too that they. You said they closed it. How long have they been closing? Is it been a COVID thing, or is it just been? It's a moving thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, not to get too deep into the weeds, but they yeah. they had a switch of landlords. Uh, like I about thought you mentioned something about two months that before, ago, yeah. and the guys who bought the building were the neighbors of our old location. And they were uh-huh. not good neighbors. So the second they found out they were taking ownership, he's like, we need to move now. And it was a good thing because they evicted them last month. So they were supposed to be still operating right now. And they got evicted early during COVID. Uh, and apparently they have no plans to do anything with the building until the spring. So they're just being jerks about it, which is what we all assumed as soon as they took ownership. So,
0: Well, foresight. That's good news that they had the foresight to make a plan. So. Yeah,
1: definitely. Sure. Very
0: good, very good. Do they uh, do they still get pretty decent trade ins and stuff up there? Or?
1: Yeah, things are slower now for sure than when in the early days, um, yeah. because you know we've just found most of the stuff that's around this area. Right, that's that's, that's yeah. what I was asking. Yeah, it still trickles in, and there's still a lot of people that travel because we're kind of like a hub city for the northern part of the province. So we still get really cool things once in a while. It's just less frequent than it was. And, and no, I know I he's gonna... pushed more. Like the guy who bought the the business for me had his own computer business before yeah. uh, where he builds like custom PCs and does tech support and stuff. So he's been branching into that stuff too. Um, so they, they do a lot more than when I had the store.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about when we had the game store, you know, in town and, um, you know, when it first opened, that was it. Like all these amazing things kept showing up because again, they're just hoovering everything up from the surrounding area. So things that would, it were in closets and all that stuff came out. And then after a while, it just kind of got stale. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of hard to get decent product in to sell. Um, and that has its own, life cycle issues in terms of keeping a store moving so what do you do do you go outside to get inventory do you just say forget it and focus more on modern stuff that comes in it's gonna be
1: a console transition right away so i'm sure they'll see a ton of xbox one ps4 stuff um and i haven't been following too closely but it looks like our dollar is rising a little bit compared to yours which is awesome because i used to pull in so much stuff from the states when our dollars were on Parity, um mm-hmm. but our dollar has been so weak compared to yours for years now that this wasn't possible so if that keeps going the way it is and, and our dollar gets parity again that that really helps keep the inventory lively and interesting
0: yeah i would imagine because then you can afford to go out and buy huge lots or or buy out people or whatever exactly and and turn a profit so
1: well very good very good
0: uh things in my neck of the woods why do i keep saying that edit that out <laughs>
1: Not going to do that. Yes, you are. <laughs>
0: uh, things for me have been kind of slow. Um, I mean, in terms of like gaming stuff. I mean, it's been busy. Otherwise, it's just um, my time has been split. Um, work is heavy right now, um, so a lot of times by the time I'm done with work, I'm kind of spent. But um, I've been doing a little more reading. Um, I I got. Uh, Uh, a collection of essays by James Baldwin that I've been reading through um, to kind of keep going through, you know, some of the the pieces that I've been reading about lately, which, uh, if you've never read Baldwin, I mean... I was going to say,
1: is that Alex Brother? One of those actor boys? No, no, no,
0: definitely not. Um, No, James Baldwin was was a, uh, a black author, um very big during the civil rights era uh 50s and 60s uh left the u.s to go to paris for a time came back did a lot of writing wrote some novels wrote um a lot of essays and things so this is a collection of his essays and uh very good very dense he's one of those authors that's extremely intelligent and um doesn't dumb so- it
1: down for guys like me
0: well, for me, right? I mean, it's just um, you know how some books are you can just kind of read through them and you just it comes as it comes. And some of this, the the structure and there's so much in it that sometimes I have to stop and reread a sentence to kind of go back and get all of it. For sure. Um, so it's a little slower in my going, but that's that's not his fault. That's my fault. Um, the writing style itself is is brilliant. But again, that's that's just my lack of being able to read at that level. But, um, very profound, very interesting writing. Um, you know, I won't go into all the details, but i been listening to a lot of speeches and some lectures and things. Um, I, that kind of helps me disconnect and think about some different things sometimes. And, um, also, uh, got a few things in to work on. So, work like at last you know it was the winter time um yeah i won't go into too much but our our company was bought up by another one and so um the it guys i knew them pretty well they're like hey chris we're gonna be clearing some stuff out we've got some really really old computer stuff and are you still into that do you want that stuff and i said yeah sure you know "Uh, yeah i'm i'm game um, uh, but it was in storage and it was cold and it was like, Okay, well when it warms up we'll we'll go out there and we'll get it and I just kinda not thought much about it, but it it just struck my mind a week or two ago and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. So I got a hold of one of the guys, I'm like, Hey, can we go out and we'll just get that stuff where it's nice before it, you know, gets cold or anything again. So we went out and pulled everything out of it and um it ended up being, yeah, some, you know, old stuff. One of the things was kind of really surprising i I sent pictures to you guys but yeah one picture is this um it's it's a hard drive i mean that's exactly what it is but i mean trying to describe it in terms of what everybody that's listening right now is thinking of is probably not correct even in the slightest i mean we're talking about a hard drive from like 1982 that would have been used in like servers um so this thing is 43 pounds (laughs) <laughs> it's you know probably you know a foot by you know half a foot thick or something it's uh, it comes in its own carrying bag can you uh, plug plug it
1: into your xbox one and download <laughs> a game onto it
0: i'd yeah i'd be shocked if it still works it possibly could but um it's just a monstrosity so it's more of just a curiosity piece uh, sure. i thought like i don't know what
1: i'm how much to How much storage does something that big have, do you know?
0: I would probably guess it's probably around like 10 megabytes. All right. Um, so at the time, that would have been insane yeah. storage. But you could tell it's modular. It was, it was built to be swapped out, right? So this was probably used as backup, data backup. And uh, there's some paperwork in there I haven't looked at. So I'm going to guess that's what it was. It was uh, they would probably rotate out a few drives for data backups.
1: So since you work at a hospital, would this have like sensitive client information from the 70s on it?
0: I mean, if you could actually recover anything off of it, it could possibly. But the um, statute of limitations is expired and all of that. So (laughs) So you
1: can go look up everyone's colonoscopy results from 1979. Probably not.
0: I mean, that would have been way before um, like any diagnostic data. It would have been (laughs) things like accounting data. Oh, okay. So I mean, it wouldn't be anything interesting about anybody. It'd just be like, this account owes this much money. This account owes this much money. You might see names attached to them, but right. you know, it wouldn't wouldn't be anything exciting. Uh, and probably a lot of those people are dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I would guess that you probably, you know, I don't even know what you could even hook it up to at these point in time. You'd have to go to a museum to have anything <laughs> that it could even interface with. Um So if it's an IBM drive from an old IBM, you know, it's back when servers took up rooms, um, you know, so I don't know. There's that children's museum, uh, that's local. I think I might reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, for your, you know, would this be interesting so you could show kids, you know, what technology used to look like if they're, if they'd be interested in taking it, I, there's nothing I can do with it besides set it out and go, Hey, look at that. But, uh, (laughs) Uh, they might, you know, that's the same thing they would do, except a lot of people could go, hey, look at that. Um, And then besides that were two, this is the part that really surprised me, uh, where they were two of the most, of the earliest uh, portable computers. And I use that term extremely loosely. Um, They are, it was a compact portable, the very first one, and then a compact portable two. And basically compact, the compact portable was like the first portable PC, that they, was made they look
1: so cool I, I really like the style of those things
0: they're essentially a suitcase um they have a leather strapped handle on top and you carry them like a suitcase the so leather handle
1: still like functional it's not yeah like yeah it away? looks
0: great the leather oh. is in fantastic shape surprisingly well these things have been sitting in storage forever so
1: right
0: but the uh the bottom part of it is actually the keyboard and so you flip it on its side and the keyboard detaches and then you have the screen and the disk drives and everything. But these things are insanely heavy. I mean, they're... The only thing that makes them portable is they stuck a handle on a giant PC of that era. Basically. That's
1: that's why every nerd in 1980 was super buff. Carrying around oh, their computer all the time.
0: I was amazed. I looked, I looked at like the price tags of what this would have cost when it first came out. Like $5,000. Oh. In like 1984 money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... You're probably talking about, you know, $12,000 or something, computer. I mean, just, again, it was just unheard of at the time. Yeah. So one of them's from 84, and then the Portable 2 is like from 87. So those have become more, more, you know, popular. But that's kind of what Compaq did at the time, it was really early, you know, PC clones uh, and whatnot. But so um, the Portable, the first one, the Portable, I'll just call it the Portable 1, even though it's just called the Portable. Um, it was dead, really. The fan would kick on, that was it. But the fan ran off AC power, so that didn't surprise me. Um, I just dug into it last night and got to look at it, and basically it's just a lot of the capacitors were just totally fried. I mean, like, literally had popped. And <laughs> so, uh, not surprising. So I'm going to order the parts for that, recap the power supply, and see, you know, what else runs or doesn't run on it. The other one is, had a disc failure. And it's, so it's either the the card for the disk drive controller or the drive itself. So I'm going to have to do some swapping around. Uh, but get, I've got some parts in order to take a look at that too. So hopefully, you know, within a couple weeks or a month or something, I'll have them up and running. And I don't know, it'll be really interesting to deal with some <laughs> ancient DOS machines. Like one of them, I believe, is like a it's maybe like an 8086, like an XT class machine. The other one's a 286
1: you going to keep one to send with your next daughter who goes to college as a computer? <laughs>
0: that would be funny. <laughs> uh, uh, she would disown me, I'm sure, when that happens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what am I going to do with them? I don't know. I am play with them for a while. Maybe sell them, keep them. I have no idea, but they are super cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I show my kids, and they're like, what?
1: I showed my kid, He thought, I'm like, aren't those these look- cool like computers nowadays kind of ugly compared to this he's like no you're wrong
0: (laughs) yeah I'm sure the kids think like the new you know MacBooks and things are are super cool but uh I I dig the 80s tech so you know just when everything was big and beige and (laughs) (laughs) you know and when you would type on a keyboard and it like made like lots of noise when you typed and (laughs) that was that's the dream but uh But as far as gaming goes, I really, I just honestly haven't had time to, I I won't say that. I haven't played anything, so. Anything
1: coming out in the near future you're excited for?
0: You know, um, the DLC for Neo 2 came out on July 30th. I just, I haven't tried it out.
1: And you texted me too that there was going to be an update to Sekiro in another month or two here.
0: There is. So they're doing a free update with like a boss rush mode. And then I think like a like a camera mode or something. It wasn't anything huge, but I guess boss rush if you wanted to do. It's uh, not really my thing, but, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose you know if you really like doing that. It just the thing that struck me most about that was this game was like a year and a half old, and you're doing a free update out of the. I mean, not even announced. Just like oh, yeah. by the way, there's an update.
1: Nobody was expecting anything from that game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you're going, huh? um so yeah i don't know whatever i mean if you haven't played sekiro yet you should i guess very, right? you very loved it. good
1: yeah i did love it it's it's my favorite from soft game
0: yeah um you know i wouldn't say it's mine but it was definitely pretty cool um i don't know i kind of went back and forth i kind of thought early on that ghost of Tsushima would look cool, but then I saw more on it, and I went like, oh, mm, probably not for me.
1: Oh, really? I'm the opposite. That one's really got my interest. Uh, If I see one come into the store, I might have to snag it.
0: Yeah, I'm like, oh, open world assassin's creed samurai mm, no. other
1: than samurai all that stuff usually sounds terrible to me but that word samurai makes those things sound more fun <laughs> i'm like i'll walk around in that world for a bit maybe it sounds really cool it looks super yeah. pretty
0: yeah yeah you can tell i mean you know that's it i've heard like like drastically like it's the most awesome thing in the world or like just don't bother yeah and so that too. Uh, it's either i from what i read it's either gonna be your thing or it's not so I'm fine with that and it doesn't sound like it's my thing unless somebody tells me I think unless somebody that knows what I like could tell me differently I'll probably just
1: I uh, I definitely plan to try it so I'll let you know uh, how I'm feeling if you'll if I think you'll find any joy out of it
0: then the other thing I think about is you know it seems pretty obvious to me that this will probably get a PS5 version
1: oh yeah undoubtedly so
0: uh, you know do I need to be in a rush to play it no because they'll probably slap extra stuff in it and serve it back up for ps5 that's
1: how i'm feeling about last of us 2 as well uh which i really like the first one want to see the story in the second one especially with how divisive it's been with people i want to see where i land there but i don't i'm not in a rush i played the first one like two years after it came out i'll probably do something like that with the second one as well
0: that's the weird thing that sony has done to me with where it sits with all the ambiguity that's out there like i have no problem continuing to buy xbox one games because they're basically like most of them are like hey we'll just upgrade you for free sure if you get the new console with playstation 4 and 5 like i don't even know if i'll be able to play this dang thing when the new one comes out so
1: (laughs) it's very uh, true i'm like i'm just
0: gonna wait um you know i don't need that game day one um obviously you know not been devoting a lot of time to playing games but my kids sure have. They've been playing um, you know And anim- Maddie's been playing Animal Crossing like crazy. My, my
1: son's been asking for that lately, so I've got I told him I'd try and track him down a copy.
0: Okay, well, you know, if he gets it, they'll let him swap friend codes and they'll visit sure. each other's islands and do whatever. For sure. Um but our good friend Adam uh visited her and gave her a lot of goodies early on so she was super thrilled about that um uh, was super excited and eden my youngest was uh, has been playing a little bit too you know being that it's her sister's game for her birthday and you can only have i guess one island per switch uh she just gets to be somebody that has a house on the island she in right. her own place but uh but they're still playing it together so you know they're having a good time and, uh, you know, having that conversation, I think that leads us pretty well to some of our questions. So, you know, as we've, you, if you've been listening, you know, that we haven't been doing questions every episode because it gives us time, you know, to keep the show compact and kind of talk about some other things more, but this is my turn to pick the topic. And I decided I wanted questions again. So we had a few questions from listeners. So I'm going to go through these and then we have a little topic that we're going to get into for a minute, but um, so let's start with our questions. I that's my, my favorite part. So um first off, our good friend, speaking of Adam, right, he sent us a couple questions through Twitter. So at Bickman2K. Uh two questions here. First off, well, maybe one of them's a question, but the the first one says, What feature that Xbox One has do you wish the PlayStation 4 did, and vice versa? So uh do you want to take a stab at this one first? Uh let's start with Xbox uh which had to the PlayStation 4 and then we'll go the other way.
1: So I really struggled with this both ways because I just use them to play games. I don't care about the other features. So I had to like Google like what features these things have and see if there's anything cool that I maybe don't know about. And none of these features interest me. The only thing I can think is like, I-, I like having the PSVR. So if Xbox One had some kind of VR set, I think they could do some cool stuff with some of their franchises there maybe. Okay yeah
0: all right so there's, there's nothing from the xbox that you would you would say should move to the p s four
1: honestly, like maybe after I hear your idea, I'll steal it, but <laughs> like I, I i realized that the v r thing's not exactly what he's asking for either, so that that was kind of a stretch uh i yeah, I just want to play games on them, so i I don't care about these other features. The quicker okay. it boots up, the am. Right
0: okay okay. Um, For me, I would just throw a couple of them out there. Um, Number one, um, I would have to go with the analog stick placement again uh, for (laughs) PS4. I really hate the the side-by-side sticks, but I've gone over that enough, so I won't go over it anymore. And the other thing I would say is that using the Xbox all the time, I really prefer it in terms of navigating the game library and things versus that gigantic just row of crap that the PS4 has that takes forever to load. So I really don't like that library of just infinite tiles or whatever.
1: It's um, funny because I've heard other people on different podcasts complain about both of them, like the UIs. And I, like I, I put the game in and it's the first one there because the disc is in, so I don't have to like search the digital library or whatever. So I, that's never been something that's bothered me, but I've I've heard a lot of people say that.
0: Yeah, I just, you know, it's not friendly. The, the other way around, um, I think, is one that's going to be remedied really quick. And that is, uh, well, I know it is. Uh, I did like the idea of the share button on the PS4 controller and that they're putting that on the new Xbox controller. So there'll be a share button on the controller. And I'm glad they didn't decide to put a giant, stupid trackpad <laughs> <right> <laughs> on the controller, too. But, you yeah, know. and what, So speaking of this, I wanted to ask your opinion because, you know, we're on the show. Why not? Um what do you think about this announcement that the Dual Sense won't work? Like they're saying, like the controller thing, right? Like the backwards compatible PS4 games can use the PS4 controller, but you can't use a PS4 controller for PS5 games.
1: That's just normal. Every gen doesn't really matter much to me. It'd be nice to have just use a controller I already have, so I don't have to buy a second one. But it's going to come with one in the box. I'll have to buy one extra one that's the same as i've done every other gen for the last 20 years so that doesn't bother me too much I, i i get the convenience so i get why people would have wanted that okay and i don't
0: see structurally that there's a whole lot of change and i think that's the thing that people like about playstation pads is that they're all pretty similar right
1: yeah, but like when I bought like a, a PS2, my PS1 controllers, the analog sticks wouldn't work for games. My PS2 controllers didn't plug into my PS3. And my PS3 controllers didn't work for PS4 games. I, I wasn't expecting anything different, so I'm kind of surprised that I
0: thought a lot of PS3 controllers would work on PS4. I know, <laughs> like fighting sticks and stuff.
1: I know fighting sticks will maybe they do. It's not something I've ever tried to do, so I, okay. I know. The opposite work because one of you guys told me that. Um, yeah, so the PS3 controller. PS3. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: So, does it matter at all? I mean, probably not because you're not in the ecosystem, but Microsoft saying that hey, all your old stuff will continue to work on the new machine.
1: I don't have that much Microsoft stuff, so I don't have I have like my one Xbox One controller that I'm gonna sell with the system uh very shortly here, so I'll be needing a new controller with a Series X whenever I get that anyway.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, I was just curious about if that made any thoughts to it at all. And then secondly the question was kind of getting back to what we were talking about tomorrow, uh, which I you know, I don't we 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 don't have an answer to it, but it's something to get to talk about, and that is seriously, what is Sony doing with PS5 backwards compatibility?
1: Who uh, knows?
0: Uh, how is it that we're in the middle of August and nobody knows how backwards compatibility works, what the backwards compatibility list is when the dang thing's coming out and how much it costs.
1: Yeah, like I, I, everyone gets that Sony and Microsoft are doing their game of chicken with the price and the date. The backwards compatibility, I'm assuming, just sucks or isn't there where they want to talk about it yet because they would have talked about that already, right? They wouldn't, because Microsoft's already like everything possible is going to be backwards compatible. So I think Sony is just going to look bad in comparison to that. So they're just not saying anything.
0: So you think we should just count on a train wreck, basically? I think that backwards compatibility. I
1: think that top 100 games they mentioned. I think count on that and nothing beyond for like a year or two, maybe.
0: Okay. Wow. That that's uh, my guess. And see that, God, of kills me because up <laughs> until the PlayStation Three, that was Sony shtick, right?
1: Yeah, the first three play, the PS4 play all, didn't play all didn't, your old games. Didn't play anything else though. I, I know, but they're pushing they're probably going to push playstation now and stuff like that right and they might have another service when the five comes out Uh, maybe maybe that's their answer rather than uh sticking your discs in it
0: i mean you're right but from your and my perspective i think it's terrible i mean because i mean it's not hard they could do an emulator anytime
1: yeah i like it would be a neat feature that i might use once in a while but i'm buying it for new games so i'm like the controller doesn't bother me when i buy uh lots of systems over here some of them are backwards compatible but like everything we bought in the 90s wasn't backwards compatible the ps1 to the 2 was but everything else wasn't
0: no that's not true genesis was backwards compatible
1: if you bought an extra feature that's true yeah Yeah. the power base yeah Like you can you can play Genesis on Saturn or 32x or CD or Dreamcast like none of those worked with each other. That's just the one one exception you found there for Sega.
0: But you know, I think they tried. They said you know with Super Nintendo that they had tried. It's always a cost thing, right? It always comes down to cost. You
1: you could play Game Boy games on your Super Nintendo.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) I think that's the lesson. That's the unfortunate lesson that Sony learned from selling a what you know, $600 console or whatever at the wrong time. It was oh, uh, the lesson they learned was cut out the backwards compatibility stuff to save money and I don't I don't agree that that's the right lesson that they should have learned. But
1: well didn't wasn't it a couple of years ago I think it was Microsoft saying that like only like some ridiculously low number like single digits like 8% of users were using the backwards compatibility. So it really surprises me how much they're pushing it because i don't think a lot of people use it
0: do you want me to tell you my reason why i think they push it sure they don't care about anything but things like game pass they want subscriptions and when you have to pump out lots of free games on a subscription service having a huge back catalog makes that a whole lot easier
1: So a lot of the games that they've done the work for, you think they're just like trying to figure out licensing rights and stuff to to add them to the service then?
0: Yeah, I think that's probably a big piece of the puzzle for them is, yeah, and they can sell them on their storefront, you know, still. I mean, it's not any extra work for them to hold that bit of data and let you buy it if you want to. But for me, I think they, they, they like that Netflix model and having a huge trove of content is what you need to do that
1: yeah. um, how long do you think before like because netflix used to be great when it was like the only gig in town and now that there's like 10 different streaming services and everything fractured do you think that's where gaming's heading soon and you're gonna need like several different subscriptions instead of just one or two
0: Well, I mean, you already have that to some degree because you have EA's service. I mean, you can still buy EA games, but they have that EA, whatever they call it, right? Where you can subscribe. Um,
1: Origin, that's it. Uh,
0: But I want to say, like, doesn't uh, Ubisoft have something like that too?
1: they do yeah even like they gave away a free game or two on epic over the last year but even downloading it free through epic you have to also download the UPlay play launcher and launch the game through ubisoft's thing even though you got it through epic
0: yeah so i think that's it i think they all of these companies well i mean so a lot of these companies see what, that as the future i mean obviously Sony yeah. doesn't seem to have a plan for that right now
1: um what Like I'm starting to get a little worried about what Game Pass is going to look like in five years, because if EA has their own service, and Ubisoft has their own service, and Activision has their own service, they don't want their games on the Microsoft service, they want their games on their service, so you've got all these fractured things like that, and then you've got different types of games being made when they show up on that kind of service than traditional games like i think you're going to see a lot of those like free to play or just heavily microtransaction games or games as a service style games or subscription-based games or battle pass kind of games or episodic content like all, all those things that all of those things i just said are not things that interest me and i feel like if we push heavily into the games as a service that's mostly what we're going to see. Not all, there's still going to be cool things coming out that I that I like, those single-player experiences, but I think they're going to be pretty rare come five to ten years from now.
0: I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you very sad. Are you ready? <laughs> we are no longer in the target demographic.
1: Yeah, I've noticed.
0: <laughs> so I think that's the thing we have to realize is that they don't care if that's not what we want um that's what another group of younger people want
1: yeah uh, yeah my my son's fully on board the uh Fortnite train again
0: okay yeah uh, um and obviously i think you and i are look at that and just go huh? but that's it i i'm i'm honest enough to realize that this is not about me anymore um i can either enjoy what's there and, and ride the ride or I can decide to get off and just play old stuff um, which is fine and obviously there's enough old stuff to last me until I'm dead uh, and and more so that's my thoughts Is you,
1: you're probably right um, I'm just not ready to let go yet but <laughs> I know it's coming
0: yeah I think we've got maybe a last hurrah um, yeah, I don't know
1: this gen might be it, and it might be wildly different after that.
0: It might be. It might be. Well, sorry to be Mr. Bummer. <laughs> but
1: it's Mr. Reality. <laughs> like, there's there's
0: always plenty of old games. That's the good news, is there are more old games out there than you'll ever get a chance to do anything with. So that's what I think about it. I go, you know what? Why do I have to sweat? I've got nothing to worry about. So. <laughs> uh okay so um our, our good friend tom uh at the pocky x he's us a couple questions and always as interesting ones uh as as tom does so first off um and maybe you can tell me about what this is but i lost my love plus dsi case i don't know what love plus is i think it's anime
1: yeah i'm assuming it's an anime, tea, anime? Right? i don't
0: know how to pronounce that word even very well <laughs>
1: so i'm not 100 percent sure on that but that would be my guess
0: okay so sorry tom that you lost your your case uh life is no longer worth living he says i'm I'm, you know that's rough uh what's your most prized piece of gaming junk in the same category of
1: dumb cases
0: (laughs) what you got
1: um not as cool as his love plus case but I've, i've got a couple of those like old 80s uh cases that just like lift up and you house your like floppy disks in them Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're just like beige with like that like uh, smoked kind of plastic top. I'm really nostalgic for those things because they used to sit by my grandma's computer and my aunt's computer. We never had a computer for a long, long time, so they just make me think of my family. And I like having them in my game room, even though you know they're not valuable or collectible in any way. But I really like them.
0: Oh yeah, no, I can get that i have I've got several of those, and I still actually use them because <laughs> i still use I still use floppy disks for some of these old computer stuff I'm dealing with, so sure. uh I've got my five and a quarter inch floppy disks organized very nicely, uh but I can't get away from them you know, I had to think i you know I don't know if I can think of any cases that I think besides I'd say maybe um if I had to go with that, I would have to say. Um, I've got the TurboGraphic sixteen, you know, C D case, you know, that came uh, with it. That giant plastic case that the whole unit the C D and everything all fit inside of. Yeah. Like you were gonna actually take that to your friend's house or something. <laughs> hey man, I brought my turbo C D and everything. it cost me like seven hundred dollars for everything inside of this little plastic case. I hope nothing happens to it. Um I don't know. Back then, come on, man. If you paid that much, you weren't taking that thing to your friend's house. <laughs> anyway,
1: your parents definitely weren't letting you. <laughs>
0: no doubt. Uh, I would probably have to say, yeah, that's probably, and, uh, you know, I think it's safe in my closet, Tom. I don't think I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I also have, and this is another anime thing, I think. Uh, I just got into One Piece, and I will never have time again in life for anything else uh, yeah i'm gonna guess there'll be something else tom someday.
1: i i don't know if you're aware of how many episodes of one piece there are but it is no legendary how long that show's been going on and like how many shows there are
0: oh okay so you know then
1: there there's a lot yeah like i, I i'm this is just going on what i've heard i don't know if i can't confirm this i think there's like 900 and some odd episodes Whoa! of this show it's insane
0: All right. That's like more than like binge watching uh, Friends or something, right? It's uh... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. So that's a lot of episodes. Maybe your life is over, Tom. Sorry. about (laughs) It's been nice knowing you. Uh, But he says, what are your favorite passive to play handheld games? So I get this, like things like you're watching TV and you're playing a game at the same time, but like it doesn't take a lot of thought to do that. So do you have anything like that? That's just, it's like a time waster for you?
1: Um I really liked a lot of puzzle games on the DS. I remember doing this a lot with like uh Polarium really early on, that was an early game. Uh Mr. Driller played a lot of that, same kind of thing. Um Pokemon troise is a really fun, like match three kind of game. Uh Meteos played a lot of. Uh Puzzle Quest, so there's quite a few that I, I really, really like. But the DS specifically had a lot of puzzle games that I used same kind of idea like to pass time
0: yeah yeah um if i had to say uh handheld games that keep me occupied while the tv is on one of them would be twitter um <laughs> 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 and talking with tom sometimes uh legitimately though i'd probably say the one king of the king of the hill for me would be um pick games so you know, i have
1: never played a pick game you are I, I need to they look really good
0: i think like there's like three seasons of, like, Picross now on Switch, and they're not too expensive. And lots of old Picross games, so. Yeah. I need to and check if, one out. And if you had, I don't know if it's on, uh, Android, but at least on iOS, that I, we were talking a while about, me and Adam were playing through that Konami one, that's basically Picross, but it's all Konami sprites and everything.
1: I, t- I can't game on my phone, it just feels dirty and it's, wrong. It's
0: Picross! I mean, even now, okay, you've never played Picross. Yeah. Uh, it's, but I would just say, it's Picross. It's like made for that kind of thing.
1: I so. know. Just I just feel like a dumb idiot playing something on my phone. I've tried in the past. It's,
0: and I'm with you. I haven't. I can't play any other kind of game. Anything that's like tries to mimic a real game. I'm like, nah.
1: Even board, things, like my wife's like play Scrabble with me or something, and I'm yeah, like, I, I hate yeah. this. This is not even Scrabble. It's different.
0: Okay, well, I would encourage you uh check out a Picross game. There's tons of them that you can choose from, that you can pick from. Uh, but anyway, that's thanks for the questions, Tom. Uh, I I wish you luck in your marathon of whatever that is. I'd be curious to hear from you too, Tom. Tell us what you play on your uh, No Longer Clad in the Love Plus DSi. <laughs> what are the games you're playing? And then uh, turning to Facebook, um, loyal listener Thomas Blaine, he's got a a thing here for us. I'm just going to read this out because it's a little bit. So this is, in what ways, if you're interested in the collecting aspect of the hobby, changed over the years. For example, I used to focus on loose cartridges, but then shifted the focus to complete in box in 2013. In 2015, I moved to Japan and got heavy into collecting Japanese video games. And now, nowadays, my focus is almost fully shifted to video game marketing. So Signs standees etc so how's the hobby treated you and have, have anything changed for you over the years
1: yeah i've, I've definitely also done that complete in box uh, shift uh whenever i get a chance to upgrade nes cartridges that i have loose i jump on it i won't pick up super nintendo or genesis games unless they're boxed and n64 um so same, same as uh thomas in that regard um Other than that, I I think I'm moving away from the ephemera lately. I'm feeling like I don't need collector's editions. I don't need the, the big bundles. I'd rather just get the regular editions in most cases.
0: You don't need giant statues and things cluttering up your house? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah,
1: I actually gave away a couple to some friends in town that I knew were fans of series. I had statues for that I had no interest in. I just thought they were cool statues at the time. Like, I I hate Skyrim. I added the big dragon statue from it. So I gave it to a friend who I knew would like that. And same thing with Titanfall. I'd never played it. But the statue looked cool. The big giant robot gave that to another different buddy. Um, So I'm looking at... I've got, like, the... The big box, of Breath of the Wild came in when the Switch came out. I'm like, I don't even like this game. I can, you know, get rid of this and just keep a copy of Breath of the Wild for my son who still really likes it. Uh, so I think I'm gonna downsize some of the bigger stuff over the next few months. Is is the plan? And I've been getting rid of Amiibos too lately, which I was pretty heavy into. I had like a hundred. Yeah, I remember you
0: were like going hard and heavy on the Amiibos for a while. Yeah,
1: so they're already half gone. Um, I've only got about half of those left. But yeah, I think I just just need complete and box games. That would make me happy, and if, if I could afford it, because I could definitely cannot. I get <laughs> I really love seeing people collecting like the original art for some of the box art and, and manuals and stuff, uh, like the oh, actual yeah. like artist paintings. Oh, yeah. Like th- yeah, these yeah. are like tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars now, and nothing. I I will never own a single one. But I, that's something I've vicariously lived through other people. I, I like to see them pick up things like that.
0: So what would be the One Piece be? Would it be like the Mega Man 3 box art if you could get like One Piece? Or what would it be?
1: No, I'd have to think real hard about that. It wouldn't be a Mega Man one. As much as I love those games, they don't have my favorite box art. Any of them. Um, might be something Capcom though. Like I really, really dig some of the Street Fighter box art. Oh yeah. Um, Even some more obscure games. Like I was talking with... Uh, Pam on Twitter was was showing off some box art she liked, and I I popped up a picture of Barai Fighter for NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the picture or the cover on that it's so good. So just something like real fantasy or sci fi heavy, I, I'd probably go for.
0: Yeah, okay, I can see that because I'm thinking like some of the like the Golden Axe artwork, yeah, Golden Axe uh, would be up there. I know some of the like the Fantasy Star Two artwork that's out there. I've just drool over. Yeah, and I that, love that artist anyway, and it just freaks me out that I can just chat with him on Twitter, <laughs> now, and he responds. <laughs> so. there,
1: there's a, a TurboGrafx game called Ballistics. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's got a really weird cover of this like flying yeah. wing creature like holding a bomb, uh, but they also used that same image on a Judas Priest cover when they reprinted an album and, and couldn't use the original artwork because a different company has the rights to the first two albums. Uh-huh. So I kind of like that one because it's got like it hits gaming and that's a crossover yeah i think they use it on some book too so i gotta track down that book and see if it's good too maybe i'll like everything that guy's on (laughs) maybe it's kind of a goofy weird image and i kind of like it
0: yeah yeah um for me I, i i would echo some of what you're saying i mean i've gotten pickier because i don't really need a lot of stuff these days so if i i'm getting something i'm usually gonna be a little picky about it so like if I'm buying a Genesis game, I'm, I am I want it complete. I just don't want to fool with blues cards. Unless it would be like an insane deal or something. I just don't want to fool with it. Yeah. Or like um, Saturn games. Like I just, you know, I don't want to fool with it. Like I've got and I've still got, you know, I've got a um, Shining Force 3 that's disc only and i've got a guardian heroes that's missing the manual and it's like just trying to pick up those individual pieces is i'd just be better off to sell it and just buy another one honestly yeah Than i would to try to piece it together
1: yeah those are specifically those games are tough ones to to try and piece together
0: i know and and that's the thing is and part of me is like eh, maybe i'll just it is what it is i can play the game so whatever um you know, for a few of those, I just I've got a nice color laser, so I've printed off some artwork and stuff. I mean, that I've put in there. It looks good enough on my shelf <laughs> for right now and it's not too good that it would fool anybody, obviously if they they went to buy it, so I'm not I'm not too concerned about it. it makes me happy for the moment. Nice. Um I I I guess I'd say, you know, for me it's become more and more into the the repair side. Um I've been getting way more into that and acquiring the tools to do that work. I would like to um, pick up uh, some stuff to do, um, uh, like a chip programmer, so maybe start burning Mm -hmm. some ROM chips and doing some things with that. And it's mostly just because it's interesting to me, and uh, I like the doing things with my hands part, and it's a challenge. Um, So, you know, like digging into these compact computers and okay, what's wrong with it? Let's, you know, figure it out and tear it apart and redo it or like that Neo Geo putting the universal BIOS in it. You know, that's kind of fun. And (laughs) uh, I don't do that service for other people. So nobody has to worry about (laughs) complaining about whether my work is good, bad or otherwise. (laughs) Uh, It's just for me. So, but yeah, um, well, thanks everyone. Those are all the questions that we got in. I appreciate that very much everybody taking the time and I'd say if you guys have these that come up, you know, in the future, feel free to shoot them over. Uh, I'll just try to catalog them, and then when we do another question show, we can put them together. That doesn't mean I won't ask for them again. But if something, if you're listening to this and something strikes your mind, you know, and you want to send something off, you can send a tweet or whatnot, and, and I'll make sure to catch it. So um, now that we're done with questions, I wanted to kind of go over into a topic that's been in the news, and we were talking about the other day kelsey um online about specifically we were we were what brought this up was the analog pocket right so i guess before we go too far um you want to share the whole analog pocket thing for you or
1: uh sure yeah like i was interested in getting one i knew they were they let us know like a few days early like pre-orders are opening up on whatever day uh so assuming I could it's a pre-order that I could walk in and pre-order whenever I wanted, I didn't jump on it in the first five seconds that it apparently sold out pre-orders in. And I don't think they were public about the number of pre-orders they had no, either.
0: I don't think they ever are.
1: Yeah, so anyway, sold out. Later that day they, they put up a thing saying, Hey, we're gonna boost our production and open up a second pre-order at a later date. We'll let you guys know, join our mailing list. So I'm gonna Try and be a little more on it next time when the second one comes up. Because I had no idea that these were limited. I knew they sold them uh, and then cut off production. I just didn't realize how quick they were and how in demand they were. So I didn't get one. And they're not shipping until like May next year either if everything goes right. So the the whole period thing seems really weird to everybody, I think.
0: Does it though? I mean, I I want to get into some of that because... That's the way it works with limited run games. I mean, they basically have the exact same model.
1: I know they've been doing it more frequently though, but limited run will say, hey, we're having a pre-order for 30 days. Whoever orders in these 30 days is guaranteed a copy. And when they do their their old style batches, they'll say like, hey, we have 3,000 copies, two per person, go. Pocket didn't do either of those things. So that's why I was kind of caught off guard.
0: Right, but I mean, in terms of when they do their limited release, I mean, they do say the numbers. And analog doesn't, but that's,
1: that's what I mean. Like if they would have said like, Hey, we're making 5,000 pockets or 20,000 pockets, that gives me an idea of how quick I need to be. And yeah. I didn't have any concept of that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing we were explaining to you. Cause I think you, maybe you weren't as aware of the company and how they, their business yeah. model works. I, so, I
1: was not at all. This was all new to me.
0: And so, you know, I think it's probably known that analog engages in that, create scarcity um and you can look at that good bad or otherwise i'm not making that a judgment call i'm just saying that seems to be their business model is underproduce, drive up demand sell through all stocks they're never worried about holding on to stock
1: like because i i wasn't in the market for any of their previous consoles so i was aware there was a super nt and the mega sg did not occur to me this is how the business is run though so when one finally came up i was cut off guard
0: yeah. And, you know, I can think of it both ways. I mean, if I'm a, a person that runs a company, um, if I go this route, I'm guaranteed profit. And I, that's it's all upside, right? I take really no risk. I don't have to pre-buy any, any uh, materials or any stock. I'm guaranteed to sell through everything that I order. Uh, all I have is dev cost up front, right? And mm-hmm. so, but I'll i'll make sure i recoup that by doing a run of whatever and then they can always do more runs i mean they've they've never promised that this is the only run that'll ever well I would take that back i guess they have but
1: have they i like that's another thing I didn't know like the um the original
0: NT you know that one that's like milled out of aluminum block or whatever yes yeah. those were a certain set number of those and that was it okay um they did one run of those and then i think not too long ago they said we're doing another run this will be like the last run ever well it's because they're coming out with the something the mini nt which is a newer version that's not milled out of solid (laughs) aluminum so (laughs) maybe a little more affordable than the nt was um but that seems to be their business model and again i'm not here to say whether that's a good bad or otherwise business model i can understand for the consumer it's frustrating
1: No, like I'm with you. If they can make it work, I want these products to exist. Even if I don't have one, they're cool. Um, I see the appeal. If they're making it work as a business, that's great. I just didn't realize it was that way. I need to do more due diligence going forward on those kind of things.
0: And I think it's probably reasonable because we're probably talking about a, a fairly niche market. I mean, you have your companies like your Hyperkins and things that can make... Retro compatible hardware at a at a price point that's probably a little more mainstream than what Analog is aiming for. I think Analog wants to be that boutique product, totally. Uh, Yeah, which is fine. There's a market for that. It's just it's not the same market that Hyperkin's trying to meet, right? And so I think that's it. If you if you made the kind of quantity of purchases of product that Hyperkin does to try to sell through. Something like Analog wouldn't make it, right? I don't know if they could sell that much product. At least not with what they're creating now. Right. So I, I guess to start some of this, having said that and, and getting to I kind of wanted to, because this is the first time I've ever heard you express interest in anything like this, uh, any of these FPGA consoles. So tell me why and, and what leads you down this path.
1: Uh, well, the pocket specifically appealed to me uh, because of the adapters in the dock. So I like—I I have plans to to stream stuff in the future and capture more things once I'm done with NES. So having a way to capture things for like the Neo Geo Pocket and the Lynx uh, through just a real H- easy HDMI port through this console—that's the biggest selling point for me. All the Game Boy stuff is great too, and I 100% see myself using that as well. But uh, those two consoles specifically, like I don't want to mod an actual console to do that with. So this seemed like a really fun alternative and something I would just use. Like we were just talking about, like passive handheld games. Like you know, I could throw Picross in my Game Boy and, and watch some One Piece one day.
0: That's <laughs> I watch a lot of One Piece
1: i'm not gonna uh, watch Sunday. one piece it's pirates disgusting <laughs> oh, nasty sorry. pirates
0: yeah. <laughs> as we all know of your love of pirates um you're like jerry in the puffy shirt right so. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah because that was kind of the thing that surprised me when you talked about it. I'm like what this doesn't seem like because you've not been fans of any of these like hyperkin products and things right
1: I got a Retron 5 when they launched, and I hated it. I got rid of it pretty early, and I had some issues with them as a store owner, too. There was lots of faulty, badly, badly built machines I had to send back for, for refunds and repairs and stuff, and it was, it was not fun to deal with. So I didn't want to deal with those. So the more upscale boutique stuff uh, appeals to me um, quality-wise, too.
0: Okay. So you're saying, hey, I'm willing to pay a higher price to get something that's going to be good and last. That's going to work
1: and it's going to work like it says it's going to work. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: No, and I get that completely. I mean, you're talking, Yeah, I just bought a stupid Neo Geo. So yeah, I get you. Um, So does this lead you to then to say, okay, well, I want to stream or I want to do other things. Should I look at some of these other um, FPGA based consoles that Analog or other companies make?
1: I, I don't know if it's an FPGA based machine, but the Polymega has been on my radar as well it's
0: that's a pure software emulation machine yeah
1: that's that's what i thought um just same thing ease of use for a lot of different consoles uh so just buying the one machine being able to do all that disc-based stuff and then if i really wanted to i can upgrade it for some of the cartridge stuff which i don't know if i would do but the you know being able to play you know saturn and, and sega cd and playstation uh 3do like that's Pretty appealing to be able to just throw those on through an HDMI um, real real easy. It's more for the uh, convenience than, than anything in that case.
0: So tell me, like a Polymega, right? Mm-hmm. That's a complete software, you know, emulator box with add-ons for cart slots and things. Yeah. You could literally do that with your PC now. What what makes you want a Polymega and not just go, I'll just do this with my PC right now?
1: Um, ease of use, for one. Uh, okay. I don't have to buy anything for my PC. I'm already just buying it. It's ready to go out of the box. I just like you know new game consoles are getting less and less exciting. So it's fun to be excited about one again, honestly. And I'm probably tricking myself into it. It's like, I'm buying a new Sega Saturn machine. It's exciting. (laughs) No, I... So some some of it's just, yeah, like purely psychological. And I totally get that. But uh, it's just fun. Just a way to keep the collecting going too. Because as anyone who's been listening to this for a long time has realized the pickups become less and less as we the scarcity grows, the prices grow, our collections have grown. It's just harder to pick things up in so many different ways.
0: Yeah. um, uh, So with a lot of these FPGA consoles, I know a big thing too is um, they get jailbroken, like almost instantly to play ROMs. Um, So in reality, I mean, I think they put in very loose protections against that. (laughs) I mean,
1: is that they like a, really. a legal thing? They just have to throw something in there to save the not don't,
0: I don't even know if that's... Uh, it's not illegal to sell emulators or anything. So I don't think so. Uh, they just can't include any proprietary code. So yeah. Yeah, you supply your own BIOS or whatever. And all the machines they've made so far, unless I'm missing something, um, don't have proprietary BIOS. But I could be wrong. Um, I mean, these systems do have some software underneath them but I would imagine they've reverse engineered or if not, Nintendo would have sued them to death. (laughs) So, uh, I think they just basically run on the hardware and everything's structured that way. So besides like some copy protection, that's probably not too hard to break. I don't think there's anything else that's in there, but like, if you want Sega CD or Saturn or disc based stuff, then yeah, you need a BIOS file. And that's why I think we haven't seen an analog PlayStation, you know, uh, or some of these other systems because how they sell it Uh, they'd have to reverse engineer everything and they probably could but it's more expensive
1: you you mentioned the jailbreaking too and that's i don't know not something i need because i've got most of the software i want to play i just need the the box to run it i don't see myself throwing roms on any of these
0: and i would imagine yeah for you that's not an appeal. I mean, I guess for a lot of people it probably is because they could just say, "Oh, cool, I'll get this thing," and then five minutes later, I jailbroke it, and now I have all the ROMs, you know. Yeah, because um, just
1: because I'm not in that mindset, it always blows my mind when I hang out with any friend because they've got dozens of jailbroken machines and hacked machines and modded machines to play. Like he's like, "You want to play, you know, Mario on my my hacked Wii or my NES Mini or." Or my everdrive or like they've got like a dozen options and it's just like so different than how i do things it just never crosses my mind
0: yeah i'm kind of the same mind i it was just when you have it's like oh hey i've got this on my hacked wii you want to play and i'm like no i don't want to at all but thank you and that's not i'm not trying to be snobby or, or upset with anybody that does i mean like sean from the playcast that's how he plays that's fine i'm not trying to gatekeep or anything else it's fine if you want to do that i just don't want to yeah um and that's it's okay right you can do whatever you want with same thing with like jailbreaking these things and you're right i hear a lot of people say like that's one of the first things they do when they get devices is jailbreak it and do whatever with it again it's your thing you can do what you want um it just that sort of thing just doesn't appeal to me i like the games right that's kind of part of what i like with this thing but that's not for everybody um i'm just always amazed like how fast when these products come out like the jailbreak drops like almost (laughs) instantly yeah um so i wonder how much of that is maybe the manufacturer going like okay just hold the jailbreak for like a day or two and then release it to build hype or something i don't know um i've got no idea so having never have you ever played on a like a i mean we'll get to some of these other devices have you ever played on an analog console before
1: no i've never even seen one in person
0: so what makes you say pocket? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, they've got a good reputation from what I've seen online. Uh, it's just quality hardware, and this like this not being their first one. This being like their what third, fourth? So they've done NES, Super NES, Genesis, right? Fourth. Yeah. Yeah, it's so a fourth one. I, f- I figure by this point, you know, they've they've got it down. It's not going to be any major production issues, or uh, you know, there always could be with with tech, but. Uh, I figure they've got it down well enough and a good reputation they built up that I'm I'm just expecting a quality product from them at this point. Whereas with when the I remember when the NT got announced and like you said, the aluminum case and stuff, like it was like really cool, super expensive. Yeah. I didn't see why I needed it because I can already capture my NES and I'm not looking for the top-tier quality in my captures. Um I'm I'm fine with what I've got in my composite. Uh so I don't know. They they've worn me down over time, maybe too.
0: <laughs> Cause I was gonna say there's like a ton of these Jap uh like Chinese knockoff machines that you can play portable games in. I mean, this is not a niche thing that's I mean, again, they're gonna make a higher tier one because that's what they mm-hmm. do. <clears throat> but I mean, there's been knockoff Game Boys and things for years.
1: With the issues I had with the retron, I don't want to go for the cheap things either anymore. I'd I'd rather go for the one I know is gonna work.
0: Yeah. So software emulation versus hardware fpga emulation i mean both of them are still emulation they're just done in different ways
1: does this actually i'm hoping to learn here because i'm i am i have heard that i mm -hmm. just don't quite know what that means if you can dumb that down for me a little bit
0: so software emulation is translating the code of like one system to another so if i'm gonna emulate a Sega Saturn, um, the normal code and writes and things to like the devices on the Saturn's like, you know, Hey, you know, feeding data from here or there and expecting things back. The emulator sits between that and the hardware that's really on like your PC and translates those things to get the proper data back on the other end. Right.
1: So is this like what Bleem was on the Dreamcast? Yes. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Or any pc emulator that you want to play right now right so on your pc you want to emulate super nintendo or whatever and i'll be honest to our listeners i don't know what the latest and greatest <laughs> super nintendo emulator or anyone.
1: i remember z's nest from like two decades ago
0: yeah i used to use like nesticle yeah. <laughs> stuff like you know uh a million years ago genesis <laughs> i don't know that one uh, that was just, it was the same thing as Mystical. same guys, just a Genesis emulator. Okay. Uh, they also had one for CPS1, which was, um, God, what did they call that? It was another terrible name like that. But uh, anyway, uh, the, you know, that just sits in, it just, it mimics the hardware calls using totally different sets of hardware. Um, Whereas FPGA-based emulation is there is an FPGA, which is a device that can be software reconfigured to act like another piece of hardware. So you're literally changing the hardware itself to try to match as closely as possible the original hardware of the device. So you're still emulating something because it's not the same chips, right? But you're doing it through a hardware solution instead of a software solution. Does that make uh, sense?
1: I think so. Um, I've people seem to prefer the hardware solution. Is that just because there's less bugs, glitches? There's more compatibility. Like, what's the benefit to hardware over software?
0: I think it's a good question. From what I understand of it, the rationale being that if they can work out the exact specifics of all the chips that are involved in a device they could program an FPGA to behave exactly like those same sets of chips. So in essence, you should get the exact same timings and responses. It should behave just as the machine did. Uh, I think that requires a level of perfection that probably doesn't exist right now, but they can get pretty close to it. I mean, in terms of like a lot of these older machines, it's not cheap to do, whereas software emulation can be done pretty cheap. Um, and like the Retron 5 or whatnot. You can cram a lot of stuff in a box. Um, but that's what you hear about cores. Cores are just the software that reconfigures that FPGA to behave like other pieces of hardware. Um, software emulation, you know, I, I think it, we've seen from the days prior where we mess, messed around with it, it's gotten really good. I mean, look at what the Xbox does, right? You can play your old xbox games in 4k now and that's all done through emulation on the machine and it plays great so is it bad i don't think so if it's done well it's just done differently
1: okay um is yeah so that's that's typically how companies like like if we go back a little bit like to the eShop, like that's what nintendo's doing when they put something on the virtual console
0: it's all software emulation. Yes. Yeah.
1: Wow.
0: And it's done well, right? They've done a good job of it.
1: I'll take your word for it, I don't think I've ever actually played anything on the virtual I've console. I've got a
0: few uh like uh virtual console games. So I've got like Star Fox sixty four and I think I got that with like some points <laughs> through like the whatever that you could put the codes in eons the, ago, right? Club
1: Club Nintendo. That's right, yeah. So yeah. I think
0: I got a free few free games back in the day from that. Nice. They play well.
1: I always sent off for the physical stuff so I never got any, any games.
0: I I did that too. I always wanted like the prize, like you get the platinum prize each year. Yeah. Right? And I got the, the platinum, platinum prizes, prize. but I've always just like a few codes extra or something, like a few points. I'm like, "Oh, like Star Fox 64. Okay, sure." I'll I have for, I have
1: every whatever. single set of posters that Club Nintendo ever had up for grab. I, I always snag those. I really liked some of the art on them.
0: I really hate that they've gone away from that and only have digital rewards now. I don't even bother. No, me I don't either. even bother with the coins and all that stuff. I'm like, I don't care.
1: Yeah, they'll send me an email once in a like, hey, you want this cool background or theme on your phone? I'm like, no, thanks. Bye.
0: Yeah, I know. the same <laughs> thing, like they'll send me a, a thing, you know, for your birthday, like an email like, oh, it's your birthday. You can download this Windows wallpaper or something. I'm like, why? I don't care, man. Yeah. Just leave me alone. I could just Google that in like five <laughs> seconds. Thanks anyway. But uh, But yeah, and I think that sometimes I hear some pushback when people talk about emulation with fpga but i mean it's emulation i mean it's not a perfect replication i mean i guess if you could get it to be perfect it would be more of a simulation than an emulation but it's not so until it gets to that point
1: i i think they typically say like 99 percent compatibility when they're marketing these things is that just to cover their butts It, it usually works with everything that came out in the retail life of the console
0: Usually, pretty much because you wouldn't buy a product without it. But honestly, you'd find the same thing in software emulation.
1: Like, I remember this is probably a while back, and I don't know if this is a fixed issue, but like, there's problems with certain uh, late release NES or Super NES games that use extra hardware in the cartridges.
0: So, like, uh, you're thinking of back back when NOAC based machines, see, like, Castlevania 3 wouldn't play on some glasses yeah. and stuff, right? And, and like
1: Mega Man X3 and Stunt Race effects and stuff like that. So is that not um, an issue anymore?
0: No, because it's different. Um so like a lot of those Nintendo like I have um god what was it? it was like that first big Nintendo the um Messiah, right? Remember the Nintendo the, the uh, you don't remember
1: no. that? No, what is the Messiah?
0: You don't remember? Oh, come on, man.
1: Tell me about the Messiah, Chris.
0: Um <laughs> You look a lot like the Messiah, so I'll let... Um, no, it was... Uh, that was the company. And I'm trying to remember the name of the product. It's, it's alluding me right this minute. But they recreated the NES. It was like one of the first ones that came out, where it was a clone of the NES. It looked like the NES, except it was smaller, kind of flat. And it would play NES and Famicom games. And it used a NOAC or a Nintendo on a chip, which were real common in China. And those things are... It's all hardware, because it's baked into this chip, they just basically like, oh, we'll take all the pieces of an NES and make it on one chip. Um, so that's what all those stupid plug-and-plays and things that were made out of China. Because uh, it was super cheap, but compatibility wasn't great because that's not what they were aiming for, right? They, It's good enough. And that was the issue with that, was that bespoke right. hardware wasn't good. It so that, wasn't
1: that's accurate. not an issue with any of the software and the FPGA emulation we're <clears throat> talking about right now.
0: I think at the level we're talking about, in most cases, no. Okay. I mean, we'll probably, you know, we might touch on Mister in a minute, which is its own separate monster, but...
1: Is that true with uh, CD-based stuff as well? Because they wouldn't be adding any extra chips to a CD, so they all, I assume if one works, they all should?
0: The only thing you have to keep in mind is that I don't know of any FPGA-based CD system emulation. Right. Right. It's only software-based software. simulation, so I don't know. Will we see some at some point? I guess like, if they figure it out.
1: Like, um, is there any? I guess what I'm asking is: Is there any like notoriously hard to get to run like Saturn game? It's just the system in general. Once you've got it running, there's no specific game that should be pain uh, assuming you can figure out disc swapping for for some of the multi-disc games
0: you have to figure out disc swapping you have to figure out ram carts but other than that i I wouldn't think so um i'm not an expert in that in any case but i mean it's all the the hardware never changes a lot like it did in cartridge world right right so besides like ram carts and things like that it shouldn't be much of a problem and a lot of those systems never had stuff i mean like ps1 it was just the ps1 right yeah so never had to worry about that stuff so yeah um, so obviously the analog we've been talking about that there was the one of the early ones of these was that retro USB AVS so you remember when that came out
1: I do that's a sleek looking machine
0: yeah doesn't tempt you to ever want one of those or
1: it looks great it just I've got a functioning NES that I can record on so I don't know why I'd spend I think they were like 400 bucks or something US too Like they were not cheap Um, so if the price was right, like I might have bitten. But I think they're at like two
0: hundred dollars. But
1: even then, that like you, it's US. My exchange, like oh, yeah. it's basically three hundred for me. That's too much for how often I would use it.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, a handheld thing, you would play a lot, though.
1: I would, yeah, and it gives me access to two systems that I can't easily record in any other way.
0: Okay. Okay, That makes sense. Um, so, Mr., right? And I'm going to say right up front for those that are listening, I am not a Mr. Expert in any way, shape, or form. I don't own the hardware. All I've done is glean some information. But the Mr. is like an open hardware project that's FPGA-based to basically hardware emulate everything that can slam into it. So... You have to buy like all these pieces that you kind of assemble yourself unless you buy one that somebody else has assembled. They're all off the shelf parts and the software is like uh, open source stuff basically. So obviously no cartridge ports or anything like that. They're all ROMs so and things.
1: Kind of like a build your own analog.
0: Yeah, except you don't put physical software in it. You're you're using ROMs oh, for okay. everything. Gotcha. Um, but that seems to really be taking off for a lot of people. Um, to me, it just sounds way too kludgy to want to mess with. It doesn't like, oh man, I would have to put a lot of work into this thing. And I just don't know if I want, I don't, it doesn't sound like fun to me I I could, I like original hardware though. So
1: see, maybe that's part of the appeal to people. Like you've been doing your old repairs and getting, getting better with the physical tinkering lately. Maybe people like the, that side of it and
0: maybe but like you know josh from shoot the Corecast, he's got a mister and i think john does too they're both on that show and i've seen them use it to play some games before because you can emulate hardware that's arcade boards or you know video game
1: systems or whatever you like um that's pretty cool actually the arcade side um that's a little appealing because it's not something i can't you know fill my house with dozens of arcade machines or my wife yeah. won't let me I could, <laughs> I say, she won't you, let me
0: you could you'll just be lonely yeah um. <laughs> it's
1: okay uh alien versus alien versus predator will keep me warm at night
0: <laughs> if you if curl up next to the tube and the power supply i probably will yeah um
1: so price wise how are these compared to the analog
0: from what i understand and again i have not bought a mister and you know i'm I know there are people that build them, but you might have to build your own from parts and I don't know, from my what I understand there's several hundred dollars. Um
1: that's just I, to get like the base set up and then you buy cores on top of that?
0: No, you don't buy the cores. The cores are the software that emulates the machines. So oh, the, so once you have the cores,
1: mystery, you're you're storage. done spending. The rest is all software.
0: That's my understanding. Yes. Oh,
1: okay, I misunderstood that. Okay. Interesting. That's something I I need to look into a little more then, because uh, I'd love to dig into some arcade stuff for sure.
0: Sure, but you could do Game Boy, Neo Geo, Pocket, Arcade. Again, it's all ROM based, so you have to have ROMs. But uh, right, right. If it's HDMI out. It's gonna, you know, USB control in sort of thing. So I guess whatever you want to hook up to it is what you want to use. Um, Again, I'm I'm not an expert. Uh, There's people that know a whole lot more about this stuff than I do. That's my understanding of it. Again, it's a very tinkery thing. And I keep reading about all the time. Like, oh, hey, there's this new core for this system now. And there's a core for this system now. Because being open source, people are just kind of working on things. And like, oh, hey, look, here's, you know, CPS2. Or, you know, here's...
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask that. System 16 is out. Arcade hardware is so fractured over the years. Like, I'm curious how many eras they've got covered by now.
0: And I don't know. I'm sure uh, you could probably very quickly Google that stuff and figure it out, but um it's to me it's like a rabbit hole that's sounds time consuming
1: <laughs> to get
0: into. And For I don't sure. know have the time. Um and I think that's the constraint now. I mean, does it sound somewhat interesting? Yeah, I mean it does kind of sound interesting, but uh it sounds like it would be at the stage it's at kinda of like this homebrew level that it's a time commitment
1: so is there like i don't know one company making these or is it like a like a retro pie like whoever wants to make them can make them kind of thing
0: yeah it's like here's just these are these parts that you need to run this stuff like you know here's this fpga board and here's so it's this conglomeration of parts that you
1: assemble okay um you said josh has one right maybe i'll i'll bug him for some more info too
0: Yes. Yes, he does. So yeah, you would have to ask him for more details. I don't know how difficult or easy it is to get any of it up and running. I, if I had to guess, you know, there's probably enterprising individuals that will just build one for you and sell it to you uh, as well. Um, But, you know, the things I start thinking about with off the shelf hardware is, I mean, it's cool until the company that produces that hardware decides, yeah, we're going to make something else now. So now what do you do, right? Do you start over again? Because this is not a product that you've, a manufacturer is making t- discreetly for this purpose, like analog or something, right? Whoever produces these parts could just decide, like, nah, we're not using this part anymore. We're going to start making this other part.
1: Do you think analog would ever make like an arcade-style machine of theirs? No,
0: um, because you. What would you plug into it? Selling ROMs is illegal.
1: Your JAMA boards that you've got kicking around your house. Everybody's got some of those.
0: Well, you, don't, you don't need to plug a JAMA board into anything but a display and controls. So, yeah, I mean, the the board is the game. So this, what would you plug true. into it, right? There's nothing. Um, so they would have to find a way to sell you the ROMs legally, and I think that kind of defeats the purpose. Right. There's already a bunch of machines that do that. I mean, like, I don't know if you remember that, like, giant Capcom arcade stick that they released just a little while ago. Because The, thing, the
1: like, logo? Yeah. Yeah. Is, like, ugliest designer.
0: But from what I understand, it plays fantastically. Like, and it's really high quality. Again, you can only play those games, but, I mean, duh. That's what those right hold, rights holders are going to do. They want to make yeah. as much money as they can off that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, no, I don't see any way that Analog can do it. Um, but this sort of homebrew sort of thing can exist. I just don't think, you know... I mean, don't get me wrong, Analog could do it. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the market is just to basically... It's like, yeah, here's a ROM box. Um, you know, I think legally, you know, there might be like, hey, wait a minute. This has no purpose other than to do illegal things with.
1: They just have to make a Neo Geo one and that you can somehow play other arcade stuff in because you put your neo geo cards in there
0: (laughs) you'd have to have something like that that you could jailbreak all of a sudden right and then do whatever you wanted with it um i don't know yeah maybe you'll talk more about this maybe you'll find out more and you'll know more about this than i will um I've seen like pictures of them and I'm always like, that looks like some kind of janky home built something or <laughs> other. Yeah. Right.
1: I, I've seen them a couple of times too. Like uh, Jeremy Parrish to like post a picture of his like setup for recording and and I'll always be like, what the heck is that? Like
0: that's, yeah. That looks like, that looks kind of crappy, but you know, I guess they're not really built to be that they're not a, they're not a consumer product. So it's fine. As long as it does its job. Uh, last thing I wanted to get to to kind of wrap up this topic. I mean, obviously we could go on for a long time, but, um, flashcards are not new; uh, they've been a thing for a while. But now uh, a lot of these flashcards implement FPGAs in them to emulate uh, like those special chips that we've been talking about, right? Um, so they can play all these games because you have how else are you going to get an FX game, a Super FX game, to work, right? Um, so recently, Cricks in the um, EverDrive Pro for the Genesis has included for its FPGA that's built in a core for NES games. So you can play NES ROMs on your Sega Genesis. So this is taking it to a whole new level.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, so not only can you play all your Genesis ROMs off the flash cart, you can play all NES on your Genesis off the same flash cart.
1: Why would you want to play with that terrible, terrible controller, though? (laughs) You could wire up any controller you want.
0: You could wire wire up an NES controller and make it work. uh, Then
1: then can I play Genesis with my NES, though? Controller? uh,
0: uh, um, Yeah, you should be able to wire that, absolutely. Your Super Nintendo controller, anyway. Um, I understand why you couldn't do that. It'd be pretty easy. (laughs) But uh, anyway... So, I mean, we're kind of getting into this whole other realm of these things are seeping into everything, right? Um, but that's really interesting to me that you're using the Sega Genesis hardware to and this FPGA together to play a whole other system software on another old system. <laughs> <laughs> it's very out, out of the box, you know what I mean?
1: Right. So, is that only possible to play previous gen stuff or could they also, do you think it's possible to do like Super Nintendo or Jaguar or anything? Or is that pushing the system beyond what it's capable of, even with the extra tech in the, in the EverDrive?
0: I don't know the hardware specifics on these systems, but I've seen things done on the NES where somebody has begotten very ingenious and they've written software and, and, wired things up in a way that they could basically just directly feed the video out of one thing through the NES hardware and back out of it. So it's almost like you're just using it as a video (laughs) pass-through. And so you essentially can play other things through your NES. Um, Or no doubt you've seen things like uh, the the cartridge thing that fits on your Super Nintendo and lets you play Sega Genesis games. But it doesn't really... You yeah, haven't? Okay, so it doesn't really do that? Same,
1: same idea. It's just passing the video through?
0: Right. It's passing video and sound through and using the controller port for. Right. It's the same thing as like a Super Game Boy, right? It's just using the basics pieces of the Super Nintendo. It's not really doing any of the processing or anything. Right. So, to a degree, yeah. I don't see why not. Um, is there a, a demand for a standalone device that does that? I, I don't know, but. I think it's fascinating and I think we might see more of this stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are about that.
1: I don't. This is all like, I've, I've been aware of all this stuff for a long, long time, but it's just recently with the Polymega in the pocket that I've started ever looking a little further into them or considering buying one. So, so it's, it's like a new world's open up, even though I've been aware of it for a while.
0: Right, and you have to wonder, as all this old hardware that we like are becoming antiques, literally, um, how long have they got? I mean, unless there's people like you and I that don't do the maintenance for them. But I think most people, when their NES dies, they're just going to pitch it, right? They're not going to (laughs) repair it uh, or have somebody try to fix it. Um, They're just going to go, it doesn't work anymore, and it's gone.
1: Yeah, speaking of which, I've got cap kits for like four different systems i need to get around to installing
0: yeah i've the same thing right i'm trying to do preventative maintenance on a lot of my old consoles and so it sounds like you're doing the same thing
1: yeah well one of them's to fix a broken machine and the other is there preventative maintenance
0: okay so what do you got on the bench that you're going to redo
1: uh turbo duo and a turbo cd Ooh, uh, cdx and a vectrix you must have a
0: steady hand.
1: Yeah, steady hand. I just uh, i am not as practiced as yourself, so I'm very slow. So projects that probably take someone 32 an hour would take me like four or five hours sometimes.
0: Do you have surface mount year, though, to handle that stuff?
1: Uh, no. No, I just wing it.
0: Oh, dude, that's all surface mount with like a lot of very careful traces, so... I'll be curious to hear how you do. I wouldn't tackle that at my level, so
1: it's instilling me with confidence—I love it.
0: Uh, no, I'll be curious to hear if your stuff works when you're done.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I've opened up the CDX, and I'm like, maybe I'll do this one last because it's it's intimidating.
0: Or even like the Turbo Duo—they have such leaky caps that you're probably going to have board damage that you're going to have to try to deal with, and you may lose pads and things. So you know. Uh I mean though probably the toughest one I did was that uh model one Sega C D, which mm-hmm. if you have any of those, do them tomorrow.
1: Uh minor model twos.
0: Okay, you're you're pretty good then. That thing, yeah, it was uh, it was problematic. <laughs> I got around it. But it's kinda of like a I'd say if you've done game gears, you've done game gears, right?
1: I've done one game gear
0: okay it's not too terribly different depending on how bad the game gear was that you dealt with
1: it wasn't bad it was nothing nothing was leaking
0: oh okay yeah. you might really want to look at your turbo duo and hopefully it's not
1: yeah last time i played it uh i was having some issues with the sound which is why i got the cap kit so I, th- I think there might be something going on in there
0: oh yeah i'd say if nothing else clean the board and get that crud off your board as quick as you can um uh, with that stuff eating your traces to pieces no that's interesting i didn't know you had something lined up i've been doing work like that like i just uh, got a cap kit in for the neo geo i've got a friend that I, like I said i earlier i don't do work for paid work for the people because i wouldn't i'm not confident enough to take money for that stuff but um i got a friend who's john you know john yeah uh, i'm gonna recap his coleco vision and do a, a av mod on his so he can play it but uh you know, I'm doing that gratis as a friend, uh, so you sure. can't. <laughs> if, oh. if, if something happens, don't get mad at me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do have one more, one more bigger project that I, I kind of wanted all those other ones to be practiced for. Is uh, I would totally have I have a Nintendo Red Tent machine that needs a lot of work, like the monitors and, and the uh, control pads and everything. So and the sound. So I've got parts. I just need to get the confidence and, and give that one a go and pull everything apart. It's going to be a big, bigger job.
0: That's a big job. I think that'll be easy because it's all going to be through-hole parts. It's just like that NES TV. I would highly recommend that when you get yours that you recap it because I was kind of surprised at the what was going on inside there. They didn't use, <laughs> they didn't use the highest quality components. I'll just say that. Um, and it's a long job, but it's not hard. It's all through-hole stuff. So Right. Take your time. It's just a lot of capacitors that are in there.
1: Yeah, um, I think the the most complicated job I've done is my dad had an old rear projection television that was an issue, and I had to replace a lot of stuff in there. Uh, specifically, like there's like a convergence chip in there, yeah, and it yeah. had like 24 solder points on it. Do that that took a long time and was very delicate. But I got to go in again.
0: Do you have a desoldering station?
1: Yeah,
0: very good. Okay, that'll make your life super simple then. Mm-hmm. I cringe when I hear people that don't. I'm like, boy, well, you're in for some fun. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do some of this work anymore. I used to, and I'm like, man, now that I got that thing, I would never go back if you paid me. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess we've gotten off topic, but Bill's not here. So somebody had to drag us off topic. Um, But no, I guess that's kind of it in terms of emulation machines. I just kind of want to talk about that because it's a thing that's, and I heard to hear you talk about it. I just kind of thought like, wait a minute, Kelsey's talking about emulation machines. Did I People grow, people change. Yeah, I guess so. I'm like, who is this human being that I'm speaking with? I
1: I don't need a series X for like two or three years. So I (laughs) got to spend my money somewhere. That's true. That's true.
0: Um, well, I mean, I would be curious to hear from our listeners what you guys think about this stuff. You know, do you think uh, this is, I mean, obviously it's a future that we can't avoid, but is it uh, something that you're looking forward to? Is it something that original hardware or die? You're just going to try to keep this stuff going forever? Or, um, I'd be curious to hear what everybody thinks about that stuff. So thanks for taking the time to, uh, to listen along with this. So Kelsey, if we draw this to a close, uh, anything new on the writing front?
1: Uh, no, it's been pretty slow, pretty slow. So with the traveling that I did and the NES I've been playing lately, nothing new on the writing front, just okay. lots of reading lately instead.
0: Okay, very good. So hopefully we'll see some new reviews for you soon. I can't wait for the next like
1: releases pan- are,
0: game or whatever. <laughs> s-
1: are sparse right now and it's summer codes yeah. are sparse when we'll with all the COVID stuff, things are delayed yeah. and pushed back. There's, there's not as many review opportunities coming up as there were five months ago.
0: Oh yeah. Well, don't get me started, or I'll, I'll get down the rabbit hole of Street Fighter Five Season Five, but uh, and how long that's going to take. Anyway, <laughs> um, no, okay, very good. But you know, again, where's the website if you want to read your reviews?
1: Uh, VG Charts with a Z on the end, or a very, Z if you're up here.
0: Very good. And where can pe- people find you?
1: Uh, Twitter at Kelsey Polnick. K-E-L-S-Y-P-O-L-N-I-K.
0: Very good. I hope your follower count has been going through the roof.
1: Slowly climbing. I'm I'm almost up to 1,000 YouTube subscribers too, which is something I've been hoping to get to for a while.
0: Awesome. I'm always surprised. Like I'll see your videos get uploaded in the feed and they've got some views and I'm like, man, somebody really wants to watch like 20 hours of baseball.
1: (laughs) The the videos that have the most comments and views are none of the videos you think it's Go, always Godzilla, like right? Was, it's godzilla's Godzilla really leader. high uh spy hunter's really high which that one's maybe not as surprising but then beyond those it's like soccer wrestling and baseball games
0: weird yeah. so um tell people where they can find your youtube channel uh
1: 2000 Crabmaster on youtube
0: yeah and you're just every time you beat an nes game and you crazy climb it goes up right
1: yeah, so I, I put the video on there with what number out of 669 I've beaten, the goal for the game, because some of them don't just have a last boss you got to beat, so I kind of give myself a goal of like being a high score or getting the game to loop or whatever it is. Um, and then, yeah, it's just the raw, boring gameplay most of the time.
0: <laughs> Good thing you can fast-forward if you want to, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah, <sighs> use it. Uh, like, the Wario's Woods, I've got it transferring the file right now. It's like four and a half hours long of just... <laughs> dropping blocks and bombs
0: there's like one dedicated soul somewhere that watches the whole thing who knows right
1: surprises me sometimes some um, of those baseball videos
0: somebody needs to go to sleep at night they uh just put that on the way they go sure well
1: it's, bill says he like just throws some of them on while he's at work in the background so he's like was talking to me about destiny of an emperor which was like 30 hours or something like that and i think he watched like half of it
0: it's like uh, it's like ASMR videos, right? It's just yeah, uh, it's the, yeah. That background, just
1: just put them on your while you're on. watching One Piece.
0: <laughs> Everything is good. Yeah. Uh, well, um, outside of that, you know, obviously the show stuff you can follow on Twitter at CollectorCast. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, CollectorCast. You can look for us there. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that when we do the video versions, Bill is kind enough to upload them. You won't won't find this one because Bill's not here. We're not smart enough to figure out how to record all this stuff, Uh, but the other ones will be there. Um, Bill Bill
1: will sell us an FPGA emulation machine to record our videos soon. (laughs) Uh,
0: Twitch, I think we might try to get something going with Twitch here at some point in time. Uh, You can join us over at RFGeneration.com. That's where our uh, home base is. You can find the show at CollectorCast.com or pretty much any podcast streaming platform you can find us there except for the amazon one um so i'm getting ready to add us though so we'll be on the amazon music platform as well if you want to find us but um on that soundcloud someone figured out soundcloud but anyway uh well thanks for joining us everybody and uh we will
1: talk to you soon going to do that yes sure. you are